Unbelievable. That goes out to Tiffany Dover. So unbelievable. Yeah, here we are. It is uh, the 11th of April. Welcome to another edition of 15 Minutes of Flame. You see that behind me, I have the backdrop of Glastonbury. I was inspired, Glastonbury, the, uh, the music festival. And I was inspired to put this up here because uh, of the band we just played, EMF, who I, I'm sure has probably graced the stage of Glastonbury at least once. And um, that was a massive hit, massive, massive hit. And uh, EMF had to, they had to clear a couple of samples, at least one, they had to clear a sample that, that, oh, that O sample that, oh, that's Andrew Dice Clay. And um, when they were in LA, I guess they were doing some recording or something. And they were at the same studio as Rick Rubin. And they asked Rick Rubin um, if they could use that sample. And I think they may have even written him a letter or something. And 
Ruben was like, yeah, sure, go ahead, no problem. Because at that time, um, he was uh, pressing uh, Andrew Dice Clay CDs for his comp his comedy shtick, whom I never liked, by the way. I, I always thought Andrew Dice Clay was a bit of a hack, but maybe that's uh, why Lissa Heinerscheid wanted to reform Bud Light because it's, it reeks of Andrew Dice Clay and his lowbrow material. I just didn't think he was that funny. Not my, not, not my, uh, not my style of humor. Not my style of humor. And, um, and again, you know what? If I was Italian, if I was Italian, I might take a little umbrage over a Jewish guy pretending to be Italian. Just saying. That's a little cultural appropriation because that's what Andrew Dice Clay was doing. He was uh, pretending he was an Italian, Italian guy. Hey, bada bing, right? Jersey Shore dude. Mm, he wasn't a Jersey Shore dude. Anyway, unbelievable EMF, one hit wonder. Uh, they went on to form splinter groups. I think they had three, three albums. Uh, the third one better than the second one. That always happens. The second record is always the toughest to make. And uh, unbelievable, believe it or not, is a breakup song. It's a breakup song. And it was created by the guitarist who had been dumped by his girlfriend. He was like, that's just unbelievable. Why would she dump me? Why would she dump me? And he was uh, a student of flamenco guitar and a lover of the blues and he decided to merge flamenco and the blues for the guitar lines and unbelievable and uh they're they're very uh early on in the sample game and they're they're doing kind of the hip-hop beat and uh electronics and kind of psychedelic guitars and this is where we have the beginnings of, you know, what is really postmodern music. Once sampling comes into vogue, it, it becomes um, a postmodern art form. And really postmodern means you're, you're essentially looking at what's happened like before, you know, prior to you in that moment. And you start to kind of regurgitate uh, the, uh, the creative ground and, so, sort of mash it up and recontextualize it. That is really the the, the definition of of uh, postmodernism, and the sampler plays a huge role in the the uh, evolution of postmodernism in music. And uh, they're really early on in the game. So there you go, unbelievable. Goes out to Tiffany Dover. We're going to talk about Tiffany Dover today. We're going to talk about Alyssa Heiderscheid. We're also going to talk about. The subject matter, which is on the um, thumbnail, how did we get here? If you're wondering who or what is on the thumbnail, that is another uh, musician that went by the name of Wayne County and Jane County, who came out of the Warhol scene, which uh, was one of the uh, one of the one of the crucibles of. Uh, transvestism and you can hear it in the lou reed song take a walk on the wild side Tran transvestites were very very big in the warhol factory scene uh and wayne slash jane county is kind of in that in that orbit 
and that was some, that was some really big time in terms of this whole idea of uh, cross-dressing and transgenderism is very popular in um, certain circles uh, of music. There's a, there's a Roxy music album cover with uh, a transvestite model on it. Um, of course you had David Bowie, you know, cross-dressing and gender bending and, you know, this was all, you know, kind of part of that, that glam rock scene, which eventually kind of morphs into the hair metal bands where they pick up the torch and you have bands like Poison and uh, Warrant and, you know, they, they take on the, the same sort of affectation of looking very glammy, very, even, even somebody like Axl Rose in the first Guns N' Roses record is kind of rocking um, the gender bender effect of course he would he would drop that later on um and go for like the Bo Derek braids effect <laughs> um but it was always in the background right it's always kind of been a program in the background if you if you go back before what was happening in that whole kind of uh gender bender genre uh then you could look at people like Milton Berle, who was a, a big cross-dresser. And, you know, this this goes into um, Hollywood. And um, what was the movie with uh, with Jack Lemmon where he, he has to cross-dress for Marilyn? Is it Some Like It Hot <clears throat> where he cross-dresses and he's a girl and woman? I mean, you just get this all the time in Hollywood. You had... You had uh, um, Robin Williams, Mrs. Doubtfire, and uh, Dustin Hoffman with Tootsie, which is a very funny movie. And it's almost always this kind of dramatic tension between a character who has to take on this um, persona of being a woman. A character is not really a woman, right? And not even really wanting to be a woman, but has to be a woman for whatever reason. And then has a, a uh, an attraction to a woman that's in the movie of course in Tootsie it's Jessica Lang and there's this there's this tension between the protagonist on a on a sexual level and also relating to this other woman in the movie as a friend in fact if I'm not mistaken Tom Hanks even uh, did a TV series with Peter Solari called Bosom Buddies, where they were cross-dressing and they had to cross-dress to live in a like a cheap house or a cheap dorm or something like that, right? So th this this uh, trope and this um, kind of vehicle has been around for a very very long time, and they've kind of always kept it on the back burner in in and culturally kind of curating it and simmering it over time. And now here we are. We're going to talk about some of the uh, physiological effects of how we got here a little bit later. Uh, but before that, I'm going to get into True Ham Science. I'm going to get into Chataria. We're going to do a little drive-by with Tiffany Dover and a little drive-by with Alyssa Heiderscheid. If you don't know who Alyssa Heiderscheid is, she's the marketing director for... Bud Light and the uh, brain, the brainchild of hiring Dylan Mulvaney to promote uh, Bud Light as a 
more fun and inclusive brand. We want something more fun and upbeat and inclusive for your shitty beer. And Anheuser-Busch is doubling down. They are standing by Dylan Mulvaney, and they're standing by Alyssa Heiderscheid. And um, they're just fine. They can't back down now, right? If they back down now, think of the uh, immense backlash that they would face from the so-called uh, trans, woke, LGBTQIA plus community. It, it, would, it, it, it would be worse than what they're experiencing with the non-trans community, which is not drinking the beer. It's just sitting there, right? People are like, no thanks, not supporting this. They don't care. They don't care. They, they would rather deal with that heat versus the heat coming from the other side. The heat coming from the other side, it, it would essentially uh, fuck up their ESG score. This is one of the reasons why they're doing this. Even one of the reasons why Alyssa Heiderscheid um, was hired. And she's not a, she, she is not somebody who they just picked up off the street. She has a lot of experience in branding and marketing. And I have some thoughts about uh, maybe the, the larger picture here, you know, like how God works in mysterious ways. It's like all of a sudden now people don't want to drink this shitty beer. Right. And, oh, look, look over here. Well, Coors has their version of it too. Right. And Jack Daniels has their version of it as well. And all of a sudden you look around and you're surrounded by all these brands that have essentially swallowed the rainbow pill. And so you as a consumer who consumes alcohol might say to yourself, you know what? I don't need to do this. I don't even need to consume alcohol. Maybe that's the message here. Maybe this is the, um, the, the cosmic message that's coming through. And, uh, and, the, and the messengers, of course, are uh, strange and unusual. But the, the message is, eh, maybe you should think about dropping this. They're doing you a favor, right? They're doing God's work inadvertently. Now, you may look around for a craft beer, to replace your uh, addiction with to Bud Light, which is a shit beer, um, in which case, you know, more power to you, party on. Or maybe you just may want to rethink the whole thing in general. I think that might be a, a, a wise decision. Because that's another reason or another, another factor as to how we got here. I mean, it's known that beer produces estrogen. You know, you get a bunch of dudes drinking beer. What are they going to do? They're going to become less duty, right? The less duty and uh, they'll develop man boobs. And this is what happens. So maybe uh, Alyssa Heiderscheid and Dylan Mulvaney are really just doing you a favor and go all the way. All right, let's do a little true hymn science. And then... Um, Let's get into Chattari and get into the show. Because Tiffany Dover is unbelievable. Just I'm just saying that. I'm on the record. She's unbelievable. Or whoever this person is is unbelievable. All right, let me get to uh, tr True Hemp Science. Now all of a sudden my uh, phone starts 
giving me Instagram alerts. I didn't ask for that. I don't even really use Instagram. All right. So as you know, this is a sponsor of the show, True Hemp Science. And our, our friend Chris uh, puts in painstaking hours to bring you the product. I can't even begin to stress how much work this guy puts into this. Uh, he's literally a one-man band with some help around him, okay? By the way, if you are in the uh, Austin area and you're interested in a career in CBD, you may want to we may want to mosey on down to the uh, True Hemp Science storefront. Introduce yourself to Chris. Um, he could use some uh, he could use some day to day muscle as part of his operation. Just saying, just saying. As he tries to expand his uh, empire, you like that? His empire. Not his empire, but his empire. So if you spend $100 or more on some of these fine products, type in 15MINS, 15MINS, and guess what will happen? You'll get free product as part of your order. $150 or more gets you free shipping. There you go. True Hemp Science, sponsor of the show and a good friend as well. All right. Let's get into uh, Chatoria. I say Chatoria. How art thou today, Chatoria? Let's see, who do we have? Here's my man TJ. What's going on, Tomas? Thor at the door. My man Steve. Good to see you. Wendy says, back in the house. What's going on, Wendy? Good to see you. Nice chat with you yesterday. Sony is here. Hi, Sony. Uh, Marie, good morning. All hope we all benefit from our alignment with the Galactic Center for Silver. Yes, the moon conjunct the Galactic Center with vim, vigor, and enthusiasm. Feel into the day. Uh, Hucklebuck 411. What's going on, Huck? It is your day. It is Hucklebuck Day. Happy Hucklebuck Day. Kelly B. Hey, Kelly. Good to see you. Good to see you. Buenos dias. Uh, let's see. Who, do, who else do we have? Miss Nakia. Hi, Miss Nakia. Sea Pines. Great jams. Oh, yeah. That was a fun song, wasn't it? Those are good times. Early 90s. Late 80s, early 90s. You get that kind of hip-hop sample Manchester crossover sound. It's like it's stereo MCs are in there, right? Right said Fred is kind of in there. Really fun music. Uh, let's see. CC Jones, fantastic. Hi, Fran. Great to see you. Uh, Maria de Ange, my era. Yes, right? It was fun times. The fall of the wall. Lisa W. Hi, Lisa. There's Boo. What's happening, Boo? Lisa W's here. Hi, Lisa W. User 13. Janet Landers checking in from McKinney. Good to see Tundar. Hey, Tundar. Always good to have Tundar in the house. Mark Dice did a video today in the old Bud Light commercial. Some were funny. 
uh, the Bud Light commercials, True Men of Genius. The, the, the singer from Survivor was the guy who, who sung those songs. They were very funny. Sheila Sampson. The Sampson Project. What's going on, Sheila? Crossfire Cat is here. Uh, let's see. Scrubbies. Hi, Tamara. Bonjour. I like bonjour. It's a great way to start the day. Remember why Al Pacino's character was robbing the bank in Dog Day Afternoon? Hey, good one. Hucklebuck coming up with some celluloid gold. He wanted to pay for John Cazale's sex change. Attica, Attica, Attica. Flip Wilson. There he, isn't that an interesting name, Flip? Geraldine was so freaking popular. Flip Wilson was really popular. Uh, he had the judge. Here comes the judge. Here comes the judge. And then Geraldine, which was the devil made me do it. Remember that saying? Well, Flip Wilson. He was super popular for a while. Yep, bosom buddies. That's right. Uh, let's see. Who else do we have here? So when did cross-dressing stop being funny? The crying game. The crying game is a big one. The crying game is, a, is one of those movies where there's this kind of interesting pivot. You guys are so sharp. There's this interesting pivot with the crying game. Jay Davidson. And, um, and then uh, Jay Davidson shows up in Stargate and plays this um, kind of evil ruler of this uh, planet, which looks and feels a lot like the Fertile Crescent in Jerusalem, right? And and um, who is who's in there? James Spader, isn't Kurt Russell in Stargate? Who's the the main protagonist of Stargate? I think it's Kurt Russell. And they wind up going through this Stargate, and they wind up confronting, you know, this kind of strange cat god, uh, alien, evil. Uh, tyrant in Jay Davidson, same same actor from the Crying Game, but in another dimension, is an evil an evil an evil god, an evil transsexual god. <laughs> so yeah, crying. We talked about the Crying Game before. Uh, let's see, Jack Lemon. Yeah, the Jack Lemon movie. Absolutely, you guys are on it. Isn't it some like it hot? Isn't that the movie with Jack Lemmon? Yeah, my take on uh, Tiffany Dover's return to social media, I think it's a big fake. We'll get into that a little bit. The trannies would take over AB corporate offices. That's funny. Uh, Andrew Dice plays lowbrow humor. I can't wrap my head around how I want to respond to that. Well, you don't have to. It is lowbrow humor. It is. Let's see. Uh, who else do we have? 
Crossfire Cat. Did I say hi to Crossfire Cat? I think I did. Anybody else? Knuckle Dragger. <laughs> you can only imagine who that might be. Hello. Straight people like rainbow. Oh, there we go. Straight people like, we do like the rainbow. We do like the rainbow. In fact, we want the rainbow back. We want the rainbow back. The rain, the rain, men are not hot. Men are not hot. Uh, let's see. I like today's chat. Leela, what's happening, Leela? But I see someone get got an aqua cure. How do they like it? There's some interesting people here in chat today. Uh, let's see. Anybody else? Anybody else? Anybody else? Anybody else? Anybody else? Uh, I think we're good. I think we're good here today. I think we're caught up to the speed. Uh, let's see. I fuck off. Alcohol is gay. Gateway drug. Think about it. Why do you suppose they're really doing this? Alcohol is a gay gateway drug. I don't know if it is a gay gateway drug. It might be. I haven't really thought about that. Could be. Uh, let's see, user 13, I knew a homeopath who ended up in Attica for practicing medicine without a license. Only in New York would something that crazy happen. I hated the crying game. It was not a surprise. I, exactly. Come on. Come on. Everybody knew. Wong Fu is a terrible movie. Absolutely. To Wong Fu with love. Wasn't that with uh, Patrick Swayze and Wesley Snipes? Wesley Snipes had to uh, had to wear the dress. Yeah, the, we want the rainbow back. We like rainbows. We like definitely like rainbows. All right, um, let's take a let's take a look at uh, Tiffany Dover. We gotta we gotta we gotta take a look at Tiffany Dover and what's going on here. All right, David Carroll, and who is this? Cindy, Cindy Sex, Cindy Sexton. Cindy looks like she's a little out of it, doesn't she? Cindy, come on, have another cup of something. All right, a minute and 13 seconds, local three. Here we go, little Tiffany Dover. HI Memorial nurse who fainted after taking the COVID vaccine in 2020. Tiffany Dover made headlines around the world when she fell into the arms of doctors who were standing behind her. Now this moment hatched a false conspiracy theory that Dover had died. Now she's coming forward for the first time speaking with NBC News Brandy Zadronsky. Initially you wanted to speak out. That is not fucking Tiffany Dover. I'm sorry, not Tiffany. What's interesting too, just um, from the jump, this is actually the first time I'm, I'm seeing this interview. From the jump, um, we have her with a side view, right? And then the ears are covered. You can always tell 
what's going on with the ears. Right. So the ears are covered. We have a side view. We're only seeing half of her face. So let's hear what uh, Tiffany uh, Dover has to say here. Yes, but you didn't. Right. Why? I was told that it had created a frenzy that they had been dealing with. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? This is her? Um, media coverage from Croatia to, to Tennessee, and that it would be irrecoverable for the hospital if I had another little episode. That's where she lived. All right. That's her there. And then this is her here. Dover quit her job at CHI Memorial last year. The hospital has repeatedly denied knowledge of any directive asking Tiffany not to speak or post. Recently, telling NBC News we have no new information. Now, this full story will be on NBC Nightly News right here on Local 3 at 6.30 tonight. All right, let's just go back and take a look at her. There she is there, and are you kidding me? They're expecting us to believe that this is the same woman? Scratches his head. Okay, so let's, let's go down the rabbit hole a little bit. In order for this to play the way that it's playing. Clearly, Tiffany Dover has parents. I don't know what her marriage status was or if she has kids or not. But there would have to be some level of collusion, clearly on the parents' part, um, that she would be out of commission, and then alive. Okay. I would assume that Tiffany Dover had friends. Right? Tiffany Dover would have friends. And if that's the case, then how are the friends going to be silenced um, and or uh, deal with the fact that maybe they haven't really seen their friend in a long time? So... There's a couple of things that come up here. Number one, that this isn't Tiffany Dover. It really, it doesn't look like her. I'm sorry, it just doesn't. And it, granted, it's been, what, almost three years now since um, she fainted. And people can change over a three-year period, but that's pretty radical. That's a pretty radical change from that to that, right? That's a pretty radical change. I'd like to see some uh, good facial recognition software. What's interesting about this version of Tiffany Dover, again, if I'm not mistaken, where is she? You don't see 
her face, right? So you can't get a full facial recognition read on this face due to the mask. We're only seeing half of her face. And here we see the entire face, right? And we don't really know what's beneath this part of the mask with the other image. All right, so I'm going to throw out a couple of different scenarios here. Here's a scenario. Let's say, for instance, the whole thing with Tiffany Dover at the beginning was faked. That's a scenario, right? That is a possible scenario, right? That they faked the whole thing so that somewhere down the line, they could do this, which is in some ways similar to DeMar Hamlin, right? Like, like the whole DeMar Hamlin thing felt like we were being trolled, felt a lot like we we're being trolled. And there were things along the way where tattoos were there, they weren't there. There were kind of green screen effects. There was him sort of pointing up to um, a piece of graffiti. I believe it was in Buffalo that said clone, right? So they were definitely, definitely trolling the public with DeMar Hamlin. And is Tiffany Dover a kind of long play troll? Is that what is that what's happened here? What was she really in circulation? Question mark. I don't I don't know why there wouldn't have been an interview with her before now. And why now? Well, Biden just ended the whole COVID restriction thing, right? Sort of like she's the bookend. Kind of starts with her collapse, and now it ends with her resurrection. It's interesting, too, right, that it happens right around Easter, that she becomes this uh, resurrection, or she's like Lazarus rising from the dead. And uh, we're supposed to be okay with that, right? Okay, we're good now. We're good. So what's the moral of the story? The moral of the story is that the uh, vaccines work. And she had a bit of a complication, but she got over it. And she wanted to make sure that she didn't put the hospital at risk by having any more episodes. I mean, that's really what she's saying. I mean, think of that statement in and of itself. Right, that statement in of itself was kind of damning. Because there's the possibility she'd have another episode. And there was just too much at stake. There was too much at risk for her to do that. Yeah, I'm not buying it. So we're we're dealing with a couple possibilities. One, they faked it, and that eventually. She would pop up, and this would be the version of Tiffany Dover we would see. Two, Tiffany Dover actually did kick the bucket um, and then uh, was just MIA until now because now that COVID is over, they could bring this version of Tiffany Dover out of the mothballs. Or, again, the other possibility is that uh, they faked it from the beginning. Is that possible? 
Could be. Either way, I don't think this is her. This person is not this person. Just not. And the whole idea, even, even um, like down the line, you know, I think something happened to her, to her here. I mean, you can kind of see what happens. I mean, she has her eyes rolled back in her head. You know. We watched this so many times when it happened. So many times. Well, it's the world we're living in now. It's the high strange of the postmodern deep fake world we're living in. And Tiffany Dover is Lazarus. If she looked that hot, why is she a nurse? Like this, this person should be an actress. Or a model. Like this, this Tiffany Dover isn't unattractive. She's not unattractive. She's pretty eyes. She has Pisces eyes. I don't know if Tiffany Dover is Pisces. Those are Pisces eyes. Um, but this person is like uber Barbie doll kind of attractive, right? Very different. The eyes are slightly different too. Let's take a closer look at the eyes. Now, these eyes, from uh, my perspective, have a shade of green in them. Let's just see here. Kind of a sh like a little shade of green. Tiffany Dover's eyes here are quite blue. Like blue-gray, right? Wouldn't you agree with that? We got, um, okay, blue-gray eyes. Those are blue-gray eyes. And let's go take a look at these eyes. What do you think? Same eyes? This is not the person. This is not the person. Um, there we go. All right. I'm going to do an eye analysis closer. Uh, the pupils here are a bit more dilated. Maybe it's the drugs. What do you think? Do we have the same eyes? We have blue-gray here. And then we have, I don't know, these eyes look a little more green, a little, little tint of green. She almost looks like she has cat eyes there. I'm not buying it. I'm not buying it. You know, the only way I'm buying it is if they faked it and then she went into some kind of uh, like like uh, deep program and had facial reconstruction and changed like just about everything about her. I'm just I'm not buying it, especially because of the bookend. Like it, it is a bookend event. It's like okay, it's all over. You know the it's it's sort of like um, you know an episode of um, a TV show like. Like, uh, 
maybe Twin Peaks or what is the TV show where at the end, it's all just a dream. I think they did that with the Bob Newhart show at the end of the Bob Newhart show. When they ended, it shows him with um, Suzanne Plachette and who was, um, you know, his wife in the, the original Bob Newhart show. I thought that was a clever way to end that show. He wakes up in bed with Suzanne Plachette and says, I just had this really bizarre dream about, you know, us, own, you know, me owning uh, a, a, um, a bed and breakfast in, in a town where there are all these strange characters. But that's kind of like the ending here. It's like, it's, it's like the waking up from the dream ending. It was all just a dream. It was all just um, kind of a surreal nightmare and with the resurrection of Tiffany Dover, you know, which happens on what, like Easter Monday, which is a day, right? Easter Monday is a day. It's a resurrection day. And it's like the dream is over. The nightmare is over. Everything is kind of back in place again. It was nothing more. It didn't really exist. It was just a dream. That's all it was. Just a dream. A bad one at that. So it's over, right? Theoretically, until the next thing comes along. But I don't think they can, I don't think they're going to be able to get away with using uh, COVID as a lot. I mean, COVID did the damage. It, they, it did huge damage to our, our life and our lifestyle. It wiped out small businesses. Um, it kicked in a lot of the kind of uh, ESG corporate sort of uh, woke mandate stuff really started to happen around COVID. I mean, it was going on before COVID. They'd already decided long before that, that they were going to go into this stakeholder um, kind of mentality. Like they don't give a shit about shareholders anymore. Just look at the Bud Light ad. It's all about the, the stakeholders now, right? So, um, but COVID did damage. It did just an incredible amount of damage did damage to people's lives, their bodies, their livelihoods, families, relationships, uh, the economy, really horrible, horrible, absolutely horrible. And it also, you know, got in the way of the Trump presidency. And you could say that, you know, Trump was in on it. He created the vaccines or he greenlit the vaccines. You know, it's always the thing about Trump. This is the one thing that I always you know, kind of go over my head because there was a period where you could tell that Trump was not on board. He would just wasn't on board with the whole thing. He was like, it'll be over in two weeks, right? He just wasn't on board with it. Trump early on was talking about hydroxychloroquine. He was talking about hydroxychloroquine, you know, the French study around hydroxychloroquine. I mean, Trump was, he was dabbling in alternatives to, this whole thing. And he basically was, you know, encircled by, by uh scarf lady and Fauci and Mike Pence. Um, and I think even his son-in-law, right. He didn't have a, he didn't have a, a, a lot of support in that inner circle. And do you remember when uh, Mike Pompeo said it was like a thing, it was like a drill that had gone live. And he says, well, thanks for telling me. I don't think Trump was lying. I don't think Trump was, 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 um, you know, 
you could tell he did not like Fauci. He didn't like him. But the thing that always blows my mind, and some people will say, well, he didn't have the power to fire Fauci. Somebody had the power to fire Fauci. And it, it was incumbent upon Trump to find that person that could. Somebody could fire him. So the, the early on, Trump was not into it, right? And then he makes this pivot, and he just goes all in with Operation Warp Speed. And, you know, the, the, the common uh, theme or narrative is that Trump um, did it to, uh, to save to save us, right? Like it was, they, they were going to stretch this thing out much longer. They were going to lock down the world for five or six years by doing this, providing these alternatives to, to that, um, that in, uh, in a backhanded way, he saved humanity. I'm not sure I believe that. I, I understand the weird fuzzy logic around it, but I'm, I don't, I'm not sure I believe it. And the reason I, I don't believe it is because they had these vaccines already made. It wasn't like they had to go into high production. They were there, right? It was coming. They were there. They Rob, your, your old pal, Robert Malone had been working on MRNA for quite a long time. He was an MRNA guy, right? He was one of the theoretical founders of MRNA. And of course he saw the light and now he's uh, chiming in on just about everything. So, um, yeah, I mean the whole Trump thing is is really really weird. It's almost like somewhere in that process you have a different version of Trump, but it fucked up the presidency too. You know, it wasn't just um, your life, my life, and you know everybody else's life. It being it's it was every, it, even the presidency. Like he had to spend almost the entirety of his final year either dealing with COVID or dealing with America on fire with George Floyd. That was it. Right, those were the two things that were the the big ticket items, and they are not mutually exclusive. They were the right left combination of I choose. I guess maybe I, I'm not using the right left combination as like the left as left politically and the right politically, but just in terms of a boxing metaphor. And you know, it took him down. It took him down. Anyway. Not buying Tiffany Dover. Not buying it. What do you think? You think it's her? And if it is her, was the whole thing just kind of staged and rolled out? Like, we're, we know that there's going to be issues with this vaccine. So we're going to have somebody pretend that they're going to pass out. And then somewhere down the line, we'll resurrect them. Just so happens she's resurrected as soon as the whole COVID thing ends, and uh, we put a, uh, a full stop on the nightmare that lasted three years. There you go. All right, let's take a little uh, glance at uh, Alyssa Heiderscheid. Now, Alyssa Heiderscheid is the person who. Um, came up with this great idea for Dylan Mulvaney to be the spokesperson for Bud Light. What a fantastic fucking idea. Let's uh, throw her in here. Now, 
there's a, a an interview with her. Um, it's a 54 minute interview, and it's uh, "Make Yourself at Home" episode 21. Uh, this aired two weeks ago. So the first thing you see. First thing you see is her fucking horse face. And the other thing you see is the shitty kids art in the background. Oh, here, let me hang this up. Man, this is a real testament to my kids' uh, creative genius. And of course, she has the rainbow in the background she looks like a she looks like a horse she she really has a horse face doesn't she you would think she's a sagittarius but she's not she's actually a pisces of course she's a pisces and by the way um her kids did not come through that precious womb of hers she's had uh, three children via surrogacy uh, isn't that interesting? Three children via surrogacy. Meaning that somebody else had her kids for her. Isn't that? How progressive. How new agey. How new agey. All right. Let's, let's play a little bit of this. This is the 54-minute interview of Alyssa Hangerscheid. Here we go. Just think making hard decisions, codifying this restlessness and finding a way to connect to what makes you tick and your joy and then being purposeful about it. That was the thing that was like electrifying to me. That's Alyssa Heinerscheid, Vice President of Bud Light for Anheuser-Busch. And this is Make Yourself at Home. This woman is a, is a train wreck. She's a nightmare. All right, here we go. This is, um, I think she has three kids now. This is her and her uh, in vitro kids. Let's, let's get into this a little bit. Bag chain and a cancer survivor who finds her joy paying it forward and coaching other women through the tough moments she's been through herself, like having her three kids through surrogacy. During COVID, she started a project called 100 Women in 100 Days, asking each person, what's in your worry box? She says, in both work and home, her values are the same. Why is this dark? She's motivated by the hard. ...about your home and why you love it and sort of set the stage for us about where you're sitting. Totally. Um, well, just uh, to paint the picture for our listeners, um, <laughs> my littlest uh, son adores rainbows, so we have lots of rainbows. Gee, I wonder why you have lots of rainbows, because your littlest son adores rainbows. Mm, okay. What else do we have here? My daughter adores um, ice cream cones. And so we have uh, sort of a copious. Yeah. So oh, those are ice cream cones. Oh, I see. I see. Yeah. Uh, I wouldn't have recognized that those are ice cream cones. Now that you mention it, but um, she definitely is a purveyor of shitty kids art. You know, I've got art my kid on the wall. But I'm going to be honest, like his art is actually pretty good. 
I wouldn't have it on my wall if it was shitty. And that, and I think that says something about this person, right? Like her standards are quite low, even if they're her own kids. In a lot of ways, they're not even her own kids. Like somebody else has a genetic imprint on her kids. Some somebody else brought her kids to term. And I know this happens, but they're not even her kids. They're kind of her kids. All right, let's keep going here. It's amount of ice cream scoops <laughs> on top of ice cream cones. So my background is all children's art because it makes me happy. Um makes you happy because you have so such low fucking standards. It's infantile. It's it makes me happy. Makes me happy. All right, let's keep going. Um, but yeah, I'm so excited to be here talking to you about home. It's and just life in general. This is such a fun opportunity for me. So let's do this. Me too. So to start out, let's mm -hmm. just start there talking about home. Tell me what home means to you. Yeah, you know, it's funny. Of course, there's sort of the physical manifestation of home and your four walls. And I've, I'm a bit of a mutt. I always joke. I've lived in a lot of different physical places, East Coast, West Coast, Texas, mm -hmm. boarding schools. But, you know, when I think about kind of the consistent red thread for home, for me, it's really about kind of a safe space for moving through hardships, like hard, hard things, messy things, kind of hacking our way through. I mean, I, I just think that's so crucial for all of us. And, I, and I've been through a lot of really hard things. I had mm -hmm. um, stage three cancer when I was 25, um, skin cancer, and I- Okay, skin cancer. I am not a cancer expert. And by the way, I know people who have cancer. My mother had cancer. There are people that are associated with this show directly or indirectly who have cancer. And I'm not about to make light of the situation of people having cancer. But from my understanding, skin cancer is one of those cancers that is um, fairly beatable. Okay. Fairly beatable. So she had skin cancer. All right. All right. But it was skin cancer. Let's keep going here. I, as a result, did surrogacy with all three of my babies. And I just think we have to create these spaces and those yeah. that's sort of the vibe you know that i try to bring to my family and to my teens this sort of safe space to be vulnerable and to be open and and the last thing i'll share is i think it's sometimes funny i, I think little me would have been surprised at the places that i sometimes find myself feeling at home like i was just mm -hmm. a couple of months ago in this very very serious grown-up boardroom with a lot of men, many of whom were older than me. And I found myself feeling remarkably at home. And it was just because we were all collectively working through these messy, hard things. And my opinion was valued and they were looking to me for guidance. And, and I just, I'm, I sort of marvel at that sometimes, but. Um, Cause if they, if they didn't, um, they'd, <laughs> they'd have to deal with HR. They'd have to deal with HR and the backlash around HR. Okay, so here's really what we have here. What we have is somebody who has um, clearly a background um, that is privileged. She's privileged. 
anytime you mention boarding school, uh, unless you're like uh, somebody like Steve McQueen, who got sent away to a school, but yeah, it wasn't like a boarding school. It, it was like a school for like wayward youth, right? Charles Manson, same deal. Those are those. Th that's a version of a boarding school. Her version of a boarding school is uber elite. So she's raised with uh, elite values and socially liberal elite values. And by the way, she's a millennial. So again, uh, no um, no hard feelings of millennials out there, but she's carrying out the millennial program which is search and destroy. You know, the millennials are here to burn it all down. Pluto and Scorpio burns it all down for better or worse. Right. And this is, you know, she has no problem with it, you know, and she's it, part, and it's part of this crusade, right? It's part of this crusade to make sure that, you know, feelings count, feelings matter and not just any feelings, but vulnerable feelings. You know, what about feelings that aren't so vulnerable? What about feelings that are kind of uh, bold and in, uh, in your face? Uh, like, you know, this is bullshit. Or I don't agree with this because you're going to fucking ruin the brand. That's my feeling about it. What about those feelings? Well, we're going to work through that. Those are the real tough issues that we're going to work through. And we're going to provide a safe space so that at the end of the day, you're going to see things through my eyes and through my lenses. And therefore, it'll all be fine. These are the safe spaces that we're going to create so that we can essentially turn you inside out. That's what we're talking about here. This is this. And. It's just mind blowing. Right. They're basically creating brand suicide. But again, you know, this is kind of the millennial agenda. And no, no hard feelings of millennials. I have millennial clients and a lot of them are really good people. Not, you know, but generationally, there is a signature to generations, and that is their signature. And she is a brand ambassador for Pluto and Scorpio. That's exactly what she is. Um now she does, she has a, a, a background here. Let's get into her background a little bit. Let's see, what did I find about her background here? So it's, by the way, her LinkedIn page, it, you can't get to it now, which I tried. So here's her uh, biography. She's 39 years old, March 4th, 1984. That puts her kind of right at the edge of uh, Gen X millennialism. Serves as the, uh, so she's a Pisces in the, in the uh, alcohol business. Well, that makes sense. Serves as the vice president of marketing, additionally, the 40-year history of the most popular beer in the U.S., she became the first woman to lead Bud Light. She simultaneously served as Anheuser-Busch's InBev's vice president of direct-to-consumer marketing. So this person has a lot of pull inside Anheuser-Busch. And she knows it, too. So her nickname is Alyssa. How about that? That's creative. <laughs> 
uh, zodiac sign, Pisces, religion, Christianity, really. Birthplace, Rancho Santa Fe, California. So she's she comes out of a really wealthy background, right? Rancho Santa Fe is a high rent district. Beyond high rent, it's it's Rancho Santa Fe is also where the um, the Heaven's Gate cult was located. All right, she's five seven. She went to Wharton, which is the same school that uh, Donald Trump went to. She's got an MBA. Her father is Douglas Bruce Gordon. Mother Lisa Long Gordon. Interesting. Her husband is uh, Henry Charles Heinerscheid. Her net worth is about $2 million. Uh, let's see what else we have here. She's also, I think she went to, uh, you know, this is yeah, right here. Melissa Gordon holds a master's of business administration degree and is a graduate of the Wharton School. As the first female uh, to lead the largest brand, beer brand in the industry, she proudly claims her accomplishment. She also holds a Harvard University Master of Arts in English Language and Literature Letters. You can actually hear that when she speaks. Prior to becoming Vice President at Anheuser-Busch, Gordon started her own marketing career at Tapestry Network. She left the business five years later to work as Listerine's Associate Brand Manager. So she has a background in major brand marketing. I would call into question whether or not she's a she's a Christian. I would call into question her religious affiliation. Let me just look at this. Let me see if we can find this dude. Commissioner Gordon. Oh yeah, this is her dad. That's a lawyer. Uh, let's see. Already on LinkedIn. Sign it. Let me see if I can get in my LinkedIn account here. Oh, how about that? We're unable to reach you. Uh, let's see. Email not reachable. Mark email is correct. Done. Come on. Let's get in here. Let's check out her father. Am I looking for a job right now? No, I'm not looking for a job. I want to find her dad. Let's go back here. Search. Let me do this. I've been to LinkedIn for years. All right. You want to see your dad? Douglas Bruce Gordon. So I can find him. We have Douglas Bruce. That's not him. Douglas D. Bruce. So her father is um, a lawyer in Houston. Let me just try this again. Let's just do a little. 
Why Become a Lawyer? Douglas B. Gordon. Looks like he practices in San Diego, which is right in alignment with the Rancho Santa Fe piece. Right, let me see what else. Um, but there's also a Douglas B. Gordon, Bruce Gordon in Texas, and she said she lived in Texas. Find law, so he's an attorney, Douglas Bruce Gordon. Let's see if we can find him here. Um, I'm not going to give away where his practice is. You can find it if you want to. How about his Facebook page? Let's see what we got. Sorry, we're freewheeling a little bit here. Uh, Edinburgh Airport. Uh, I don't think that's the same Douglas Bruce Gordon. Anyway, it looks like her father is a lawyer. And that's where she comes from. I just go right back here one more time, see what happens. Yeah, I think this is the guy. This is her dad. Douglas B. Gordon of Council to Harburg, Huvard, Jacobs, and Wadler, LLP. Corporate governance um, and uh, business attorney licensed in Texas, California, Massachusetts. So we have the Texas part. She talked about Texas and California. Um, with a unique combination of over 35 years as a board member, senior corporate executive, entrepreneur in private practice, and corporate attorney, in companies ranging from NYSE-listed Gordon Jewelry Corporation, formerly the nation's second-largest retail jeweler of over 660 stores and $500 million annual revenue to the Patent Foundation, an IRS 501c3 nonprofit, founded in Washington by the granddaughter of George S. Patton, creator of the presenter of The Buck Stops in the Boardroom, basic training, a live four-hour director education program certified by the Institutional Shareholder Services. Blah, blah, blah. Um, yeah, San Diego and Houston, Texas. Founder, Douglas B. Gordon, PC. So her father um, comes from Harvard and University of Texas. And that's about it I that I have on her father. Oh, interests. Interests. Top voices. David Kelly global strategist at J.P. Morgan, and Larry Fink. Larry Fink is one of the top voices in Douglas B. Gordon's head, apparently. There you go. Douglas B. Gordon. Alyssa Heiderscheid's dad. Just a little, just a little sleuthing, just a wee bit. So she, she comes from an elite background, clearly. And Gordon Jewelers, man, it's sort of like like a, like a franchise there. Anyway, um, Alyssa Heiderscheid is more the the norm now versus the outlier, and we're going to see more Alyssa Heiderscheids. So this is this is where it's going, right? They're going to plug and play the Alyssa Heiderscheids of the world, and they're going to make brand decisions, and they don't give a shit. They don't give a shit. They're just going to, they're going to, they're going to sacrifice it all for ESG scores and 
dealing with the potential backlash um, against, like, uh, they don't get, they don't care about Kim uh, Kid Rock using like a submachine gun to uh, lay waste to cases of Bud Light. That's actually really good um, marketing for them, right? Any advertising, any marketing is good advertising or good marketing. But what they don't want is they don't want a bunch of bunch of um, of uh, Alyssa's uh, Rainbow Warriors um, showing up at the Anheuser Busch corporate headquarters and protesting. That's what they don't want. That's what they don't want. That'll lower that'll lower their ESG score, and, and that's the kind of heat that that gets um, headlines. So. They're okay. They're okay with the other heat. Now it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see what happens with Bud Light. They may just will they continue to produce it? It may kill the line. They just may say, "Well, we decided that uh, we were going to uh, end it anyway," or they'll rebrand Bud Light into some other bullshit. But they really don't care. And at the end of the day, it's shitty beer anyway. So, all right, let's get into um, how we got here. Oh, here's Alyssa. Here's Alyssa with her very empowered friends, Anna Smith and Kate Randy. Changed for kids, superheroes at Gotham Hall. She is such an empowered woman. She's so empowered that after she dealt with skin cancer. She felt so strong about herself that she didn't mind another woman having her kids. That's how empowered she is. There she is. All right. Um, let's get into this a little bit. I may make this a two-day post or two-day show. So how did we get here? Why don't we start with xenoestrogens? This is from the website. Um, Megan Kelpner, it's a blog, but um, has a lot of really good information about xenoestrogens. Xenoestrogens, what are they and where are they found? And what are they hiding? Uh, this was uh, posted on March 8th, 2019. So we're talking uh, almost four years ago. So this is, uh, this is her post here. The endocrine system is a sophisticated collection of glands that secrete hormones to ensure our cells receive the right information to regulate a wide variety of functions. When the endocrine system is humming along nicely, we're more likely to experience good health. The endocrine system is susceptible to many external forces that can send it out of balance. One of the strongest influencers in is a class of chemicals called xenoestrogens. It's important to know what xenoestrogens are, where they're found, and also what we can do to avoid them. It doesn't take much to throw the entire endocrine system out of balance. 
and exposure to xenoestrogens often measured in parts per billion can literally be the straw that breaks the camel's back. And the tipping point for a cascade of hormonal imbalance. So she gets into the difference between xenoestrogens and phytoestrogens. Phytoestrogens may have a positive effect or negative effect depending on the individual or his or her health circumstances. Phytoestrogens are compounds that are found in certain plant foods. So here's a brief sample of where xenoestrogens are found. Water, tap water and bathing, pesticides, herbicides, and insecticides, including glyphosate found in conventional food and even, drumroll please, tampons. Cleaning products, home and industrial, plastics, food, beverages, storage containers, non-food packaging and industrial plastics, canned foods, dental sealants, receipts, paper receipts have a high degree of xenoestrogens on them. Think about somebody who works at a uh, retail space, Walmart, Home Depot, every day, tear the receipt, hand it over, tear the receipt, hand it over. Air and dust have xenoestrogens, air fresheners, laundry products, detergent, fabric softener, dryer sheets, hair dyes, nail polish, nail polish removers, cosmetics, personal care products, shampoo, conditioner, deodorant, moisturizer, perfume, sunscreen, medical devices, birth control pills, toys, building materials, home furnishings, including furniture, carpets, window drapes, mattresses, foams, bedding photocopiers, printers, artificial food dyes. While this may seem overwhelming, the good news is there are ways we can reduce our exposure in our home or more than that below. So the health risks of xenoestrogens, the body naturally produces estrogen. This type of estrogen is called endogenous or made by the body. We often start messing with this balance from a young age with baby bottles and toys. And now that's slime craze. And to top off our teens, some birth control pills, as you'll note, Xenoestrogens are found in all forms of plastic. Xenoestrogens mimic estrogen in the body. They can outcompete the estrogen we make, leading to hormonal and endocrine disruption. Xenoestrogens can be up to 1,000 times more powerful than endogenous estrogens. The greater our exposure, the greater the impact. They are extremely powerful and stored in our fat cells. In the last 50 years, researchers have noticed an increase in the incidence of diseases associated with these endocrine-disrupting chemicals. Some of the health risks of xenoestrogens include cancer. Endocrine disruptors are connected to the hormone-dependent cancer like breast cancer and prostate cancer. Prostate cancer incidence nearly tripled from 1975 to 2007. Breast cancer in women has increased by, by 57%. A lot of that, I think, can be attributed to underarm deodorant and even bras. Xenoestrogens are linked to other cancers, including pancreatic, lung, kidney, brain, and testicular cancers. So we have a huge rise in the incidence of cancer, and we have a huge rise in the production of xenoestrogens. And that's not even taking into account what's lurking in the standard operating uh you know, vaccines that are issued, standard issue operating vaccines that were given a long time ago, like the big three, uh, uh, measles, measles, mumps, rubella, 
um, uh, tet not tetanus, uh, smallpox, right? The basic vaccines. Xenoestrogens can cause infertility in couples and lower sperm count in men can influence endometriosis, pelvic inflammatory disease, and PCOs in women. Can even be linked to the decline of sex ratios, male to female births. Xenoestrogens accumulate in fat tissue. This can lead to the accumulation of excess fatty tissues in the body, altered metabolism, increased appetite, and obesity. Have you looked around lately? Have you, have you, have you taken a good look at the general populace? The general populace is obese. Diabetes. Exposure to organic chlorine pesticides. Phthalates and PCBs are linked with insulin resistance and risk of developing type 2 diabetes. Thyroid disruption. So the phthalates is something I'm going to cover tomorrow. We'll talk about them tomorrow. But the xenoestrogens, I believe, are the genetic foundation the genetic the genetic modifiers to create an entirely new species and this has been going on for a long time i mean if you trace the history of plastics like plastics plastics were actually invented when pluto was in i'm sorry um uranus was in aries in the run-up to World War II. So what is that, like 1920? I think it was like 1925 to 1932 or 1927 to 1934, right around there. That's when plastics are actually invented, right? It's when they figure out this whole thing around plastics. But plastics really don't go into um major production until after the war and then after the war once they've like figured this you know relation with plastics out then they're able to mass produce it so really um plastics make their impact i would say uh in the 1950s and then there's that famous scene in the graduate when um uh, that guy walks up to uh, Dustin Hoffman and his character, Benjamin Braddock. And he says, Ben, the future is plastics. Plastics. He, he wasn't wrong. So plastics, is the they're, the they're the foundational bed of it all, right? 20th century was, a, was an age that was defined by plastic and plasticity. You know, you even had terms like um, plastic soul, which was used by David Bowie during his young American phase. You, it represented kind of a synthetic um, kind of a, a falsity of reality, right? So plastics are just the bedrock. And then we get into all these other, um, all these other like, Radicals, man. These, these are radicals. Store food without plastic. 
choose organic prudent. So this is actually a, a poop regularly. Did you know if you poop regularly, you'll get rid of your xenoestrogens? Say no to receipts. I never get receipts. I never get a receipt. Would you like receipt? No. Most cases, I'm not going to need a receipt. And if I do need one, I can say, well, you know, they'll send it to you via email, right? So part of the reason that we got here to this point is genetic and how um, xenoestrogens have literally changed and altered and mutated humanity. And through this imbalance of estrogen and testosterone, it creates the, the bedrock for potentially even creating a new species, which is kind of what we're seeing here. Part of this is just a hormonal imbalance that's been set in motion by synthetic factors, and they're everywhere. They're everywhere. You know, I read this uh, little snippet on Morgellons and how Morgellons is a byproduct of the body excreting some of these plastics. It's not the only thing, but it's part of it. So this is the, um, the biological and genetic foundation with how we got here. It's the xenoestrogens by far. So we're going to start there. And tomorrow we'll go into phthalates, which are another factor around all of this. And then we'll kind of get into some of the social factors. But let's start here. And, um, and then we'll, we'll, we'll work our way up. Um, I wanted to play you something really interesting. Let me, let me extend the, the time here a little bit. I want to play you something interesting. Let's see. Hold on. Yeah, I just added 30 minutes. Okay. So when I was in California, I was watching, uh, I was watching, what is it, Me TV or something like that. And there was an old version of the Carol Burnett show was an, uh, that popped up. I think Carol Burnett is, is a comedic genius, by the way. And often does not get enough credit for um, her talent. And not just her talent, but the ensemble um, of the Carol Burnett show, which was really, really funny. You know, Harvey Corbin and um, Lyle Wagner. So I want to play you something from the Carol Burnett show. And I want to show you um, how ahead of the curve Carol Burnett was. It's a very funny segment. Now, keep in mind, I believe this is from 1973. Okay, 1973. So let me see if I can make this bigger. Nope. Hold on. Uh, let's do this. There we go. All right. So this is Carol Burnett from 1973. Check this out. 
doing a weekly television show is making sure that you don't offend anybody. And that's really kind of hard because there are so many di different people from different walks of life and various ethnic groups watching the show that, that we really have to be very careful. So what we try to do is censor ourselves ahead of time before we go on the air so that we won't accidentally say anything that could possibly offend somebody. And, you know, still sometimes it doesn't work. But let me show you what I mean. You all know Vicki Lawrence. going to show you how we rehearse a sketch like we're going to we're going to rehearse a sketch now for next week's show okay don't go away come in good morning mrs goldenbaum uh hold it carol yeah uh, that name is a little jewish oh uh that voice is our director dave powers yeah dave uh, could we change it to smith just to be safe okay change goldenbaum to smith okay you got all right Uh, good morning, Mrs. Smith. How's Mr. Goldenbaum? <laughs> Carol, uh, yeah. let's just drop the yeah, Goldenbaum line, yeah. okay? I'm ahead of you. Right, got it. Okay, Dave. Right, darling. Uh, <clears throat> good morning, Mrs. Smith. Hello, Mrs. Vitelli. Excuse me. Uh, oh, uh, ladies and gentlemen, this is uh, Carmine Delisandro, our prop man. Yes, Carmine. Well, I was just wondering why you mentioned Vitelli. I oh, have a no. good friend, Vitelli, who's just had to go to the hospital for an operation. Oh, and I just didn't think I'm that... I'm sorry. Uh, well, isn't that a coincidence? Same it, name? Yeah, it sure is. Okay, okay Carmine, we'll, we'll change the name. We didn't mean to offend. Or Thank uh, you, Miss Burnett. Okay. Call me Carol. Carol. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, uh, yeah, uh, Make it Jones. Vitelli okay. will make it Jones. Right. Okay. Dave, why Jones? And if you're going to use Jones, why use a white girl? There are a lot of white people, there are a lot of white people named Jones. Oh, uh, ladies I never and, heard of any. Uh, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, this is our cameraman, Hans Kaufman. Uh, <laughs> Suppose we change the name Jones to Johnson. Is that okay with you? Right on. <laughs> heavy, heavy. <laughs> let's see. Okay, let's, uh, let's pick it up from Hello, Mrs. Johnson. Right, okay. Hello, Mrs. Johnson. Uh, I suppose you've heard that my husband has been deported to Sicily. Uh, huh? Carol, let's make that Topeka. Huh? Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> I suppose you've heard my husband's been deported to Topeka. Topeka? That sounds a little silly, doesn't it? A husband being deported to Topeka? Okay, uh, make it your sister. My sister. Oh, oh I'm sorry, sister. <laughs> Brother? Yeah, we'll make it brother. <laughs> um, all right, we can't use husband, sister, brother. I, I know, uh, my dog. How about a dog? Okay, okay fine. Uh, let's take it from the top. Okay. Good morning, Mrs. Smith. Hello, Mrs. Johnson. I suppose you've heard my dog has been deported to Topeka. Hey, 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 wait a minute, Carol. Yeah, oh. I mean, deporting a dog is a little rough, oh, isn't it? I'm sorry. Ladies and gentlemen, this is our boom man, Harold Doberman. He's a dog lover. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. I sure wouldn't want my dog deported. No, you know? That's a good point. Okay. Okay. So no offense. Uh, listen, let's cut the dog line altogether. Okay, Dave. Uh, what have you got left? Uh, let's see. Good morning, Mrs. Smith. Hello, Mrs. Johnson. Is that it? Uh, yeah, yeah, I think it's the safest way to go. Uh -huh. Okay, Carol. Well, uh, Carol, I mean, we kind of need an ending. Supposing I say good night, Mrs. Johnson. Kinda... Oh, Vicki, you always come up with a good punchline. Okay. Okay, ready to say it. 
So there you go. Isn't that classic? I mean, they were so far ahead of the curve. That was 50 years ago. 50 years ago. And they're actually having the conversation. They're skewering the subject matter. They're lampooning this idea that you can't offend anybody. That was 50 years ago. And where are we now? We're actually living out that reality. I love uh, Vicki Lawrence's bell bottoms. Love Carol Burnett, man. What a genius, comic genius. All right. Hey, thanks for being here. We'll be back tomorrow. Um, we'll check out this relation with phthalates and we'll start to get into some of the cultural ramifications of how we got here. And um, I'm not sure how we're going to get out of this place. Honestly, you know, we're, 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 it's almost as if the, uh, the buzzards are, are circling the corpse in a lot of ways. And, uh, and, uh, well, we'll find a way out. We'll find a way out. Pluto and Aquarius will give us some very interesting, uh, strategies and, uh, even exit points. All right. Take good care. Use your head. In order to discern what's real, your heart, two-step, what's possible. I'm Robert Phoenix, and uh, we'll see you back here tomorrow, 9, 11 a.m. Central Standard Time, over on YouTube for Astro Weather. Bye for now.